Last week we saw how Daniel was concerned for his people, the Jews. They had been taken into captivity and Daniel, by studying the prophets, he realized that the time for their captivity was uh, to end was getting nearer and he prayed for them as this time approached. We saw how the angel Gabriel came with a message to Daniel and for that matter uh, that message is here for us to study this morning. Truly amazing prophecy to take place over a period of 70 weeks. Not necessarily consecutive weeks. When the 70 weeks of years we saw that amounted to 490 years. And when they had run their course, six events would have taken place. To close or to finish the transgression, the rebellion that Israel had constantly rebelled against God. And that would be finished. To make an end of sins and to make expiation for iniquity. Atonement for iniquity. And then the, it would also bring in, to bring in the righteousness of the ages, to seal the vision and prophet. Because by that time, Christ would have come, and he was the fulfillment of the visions and the prophecies. And that time would be complete, to seal the vision and prophet and to anoint the Holy of Holies. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 43, we read, Afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a voice of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city. That's the vision he saw of the city being destroyed. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by way of the gate whose prospect is toward the east. Wonderful vision he had of the glory of God. To anoint the holy of holies, it says. And this was the vision Ezekiel was given. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house, and the man stood by me. And he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. And my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile, neither they nor their kings by their whoredom, nor by the carcasses of their kings in their high places. Here is a picture of Christ when he returns and is pictured in his glory in his holy temple in Jerusalem what 
must Daniel have thought when he heard these wonderful words praying for his people and receiving these wonderful encouraging and uplifting words from the angel Gabriel we saw also last week with sadness how God had said to Daniel thy people and thy city God had turned his back on his people he didn't say my people and my city but at this stage he said thy people and thy city we read that solemn passage in Ezekiel the picture of God reluctantly removing himself from his holy temple in the midst of his people Ezekiel 10:18, and the glory of the Lord went from the threshold of the house and stood above the cherubs and the cherubs lifted up their wings and rose up from the earth in my sight when they went out the wheels also were beside them and he stood at the door of the eastern gate of the Lord's house and the glory of the God of Israel was over them from above <coughs> reluctantly withdrawing Ezekiel 11:22, we saw the cherubs lifted up their wings and the wheels beside them and the glory of the God of Israel was over them above and the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain which is on the east side of the city now also look at the words in the New Testament in Matthew 23 and verse 27 woe unto you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for ye are like unto whited sepulchres which indeed appear beautiful and out on the outward but are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity woe unto you scribes and pharisees hypocrites because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say if we had been in the days of our fathers we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets fill ye up then the measure of your fathers ye serpents ye generation of vipers how can ye escape the damnation of hell wherefore behold I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes and some of them ye shall kill and crucify and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah son of Bechariah whom ye slew between the temple and the altar Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. I would, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not seek me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Oh yes, 
Jesus spoke to the religious leaders of his day because they too did not want him. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He came to them and instead of accepting him as their Messiah they took counsel together with their worldly wisdom. John 11.47 Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe him. And the Romans shall come and take away our place and our nation. They will come and take away the place and the nation. The leaders of the people were concerned with losing favor with the Romans instead of accepting Jesus as their Messiah. But you know they lost. They lost their city. They lost their temple. And they missed out on their Messiah as well. The very thing that they were trying to avoid in AD 70 the temple and the city was destroyed. You know, the day the tabernacle was completed in the wilderness, we read in Numbers 9.15, and on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at even there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. Moses had been given the picture and the plans of the tabernacle And he had completed it in accordance with everything that God had said. There was no room for any idea from Moses himself. Man's ideas did not come into the building of the tabernacle. Again and again we read that it was done all in accordance with the word of the Lord. And when it was complete, God showed his approval by his coming upon it in his glory. The cloud covered the tabernacle, the cloud of God's glory. Similarly, when Solomon completed the magnificent temple, we read in 2 Chronicles 7. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh yes, God showed his pleasure by moving and coming into the temple. Insomuch that the priests could not enter. The glory was something tangible. They saw the glory filling the house. But now that glory had departed. Ichabod. The glory has departed. And just as the picture in Ezekiel of God moving away reluctantly from his temple. So we read in Matthew 24, verse 1, And Jesus went out, having spoken to the Pharisees 
and the leaders the situation was hopeless he moved out it says and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple Jesus went out and departed from the temple the case was hopeless a long period of darkness now lay before Daniel's people but look Gabriel goes on with the prophecy in Daniel 9 let's go back to to Daniel 9 godly Jews had been expecting the Messiah to come but Jerusalem was in ruins and he has told two wonderful bits of news from Gabriel the first one was that Jerusalem was going to be restored if you look at the prophecy that we've been looking at in verse 23 at the beginning of thy supplication the commandment came forth and I am come to show thee that thou art greatly loved therefore understand the matter and consider the vision seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks it says from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince if we look at Nehemiah we'll see when this edict went forth Nehemiah chapter 2 and it came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king that wine was before him and I took up the wine and gave it to the king now I had never been sad in his presence and the king said to me why is thy face sad seeing thou art not sick this is nothing else but sadness of heart and I was very sore afraid Nehemiah one of the exiles had been placed in a position of great power he was the king's cupbearer and he appeared before the king and he appeared looking sad now in those days in front of these despots one didn't look sad everybody had to be happy and so when the king said to him why is thy face sad he was afraid and I said to the king let the king live forever why should not my countenance be sad when the city the place of my father's sepulchres lies waste and its gates are consumed with fire oh he said why shouldn't I be sad 
Let the king live forever. The place of my father's sepulchres, Jerusalem, lies waste, and its gates are consumed with fire. And the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of the heavens. The king said, What is your request? So Nehemiah prayed to God. Now he didn't run outside and have a little prayer. He was in that attitude of constantly being in communion with his God. And he just prayed to God, Lord help me in this situation. Give me the right words to say. And I said to the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favour in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me to Judah, and to the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said to me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? And it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. What a wonderful answer to prayer. God was moving to bring about the end of the captivity of his people and he was preparing people here and there to bring that to pass. The king issued a decree that Nehemiah should go back and start to rebuild the city. Now there had been decrees to rebuild the temple before. People had gone and had started on the work of rebuilding the temple. But this prophecy. It was from the going forth of the word. To restore. And to build Jerusalem. And that's what Daniel's prophecy was about. From that time. It says. This work. Should be started. And from that time. To. Messiah the prince would be a period of 69 weeks. Now that period of 69 weeks, you'll see, was divided into two. Verse 25. Shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So it was split between seven weeks and another 62 weeks weeks making the total of 69 weeks of years or 483 years now the first seven years was going to be taken up with the rebuilding of the city this work would take seven weeks 49 years and it says would be carried out in troublous times. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Now if you read further on in the book of Nehemiah you will realize that this is what exactly occurred. There was much opposition from the local leaders and warlords and they did their best through many foul means to obstruct the progress of the work 
at every opportunity. So much so that the workers had to, you'll see, they had to work with their weapons tied at their sides as they worked. And Nehemiah uh, evolved a great system of warnings and blowing trumpets and things if they saw danger approaching. But that work was completed. And that accounted for the first seven weeks. Seven sevens are 49. Then it goes on to say, And after 62 weeks shall Messiah be cut off. In 62 weeks, that is 62 multiplied by 7, 434 years from the completion of the rebuilding of Jerusalem, or from the going forth of the edict by Artaxerxes Longamanus in Nehemiah chapter 2, 483 years from that date unto the Messiah would be on the earth. How that would have thrilled this old man. That in 483 years time the Messiah the Prince would have come. But then what was Gabriel saying? He says in verse 26 and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Many people have worked out uh, how the uh, from 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 history and from various times greater brains than mine, and they show that this time scale is extremely accurate and fits perfectly into the prophecy. The 483 years from the going forth of that announcement brings us to Palm Sunday and the week in which our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah was crucified. Messiah the Prince. Unto the Messiah the Prince, it says in verse 25. And he shall be cut off, it says in verse 26. Messiah the Prince. When during our Lord's life on earth was he presented to the people as the prince, as a leader, a ruler, a captain, a prince. It certainly was not at his birth. Born in a manger. Sorrow and shame. Wasn't at his baptism. Oh yes, God broke through uh, the, the clouds and said, this is my beloved son. But he wasn't presented as a prince. On occasions the crowds wanted to make him king by force. But it wasn't the right time. and Their attitude wasn't right. And he moved away. They wanted him to be a judge. That brought the woman taken in adultery. They wanted him to judge. But he said you have Moses and the prophets. He refused. There was only one occasion when he presented himself to Israel as their prince. 
If you look back in Zechariah, the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh to thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, even upon a colt, the foal of an ass. What a wonderful prophecy, which was fulfilled in Matthew 21 and verse 2. Jesus was going along with his disciples, and he said, go into the city over against you. And immediately you will find an ass tied and a colt with it. Loose them and lead them to me. And if anyone say anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them and straightway he will send them. Do who own these donkeys? Go into the village and the disciples went and they found these Animals, as Jesus had said, and they were going to take them, and somebody said, Oh, wait, wait, what are you doing? The Lord has need of them. They straightway sent them. But all this came to pass that that might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh to thee, meek and mounted upon an ass and upon a colt the fall of an ass but how fickle that crowd was that waved and cheered and shouted Hosanna to the son of David in a day or two they were shouting crucify him, crucify him we will not have this man to reign over us we have no king but Caesar their leaders rejected him oh Jesus knew what these leaders were like we read how he called them white sepulchres. White and beautiful on the outside, but inside, full of dead men's bones. They took counsel with each other to know what to do with Jesus. They didn't want to lose a face with the Romans. But as we said, they lost their city, they lost their temple, and they lost their Messiah. Their leaders rejected him. Verse 26. And after three score and two weeks. Shall Messiah be cut off. But not for himself. But not for himself. Now it is a wonderfully true fact that our Lord died not for himself but for the sins of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There was no other good enough. To pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven. And let us in. He was the sinless. Spotless son of God. And he died for you and for me. For my sins. For me it was in the garden. 
he prayed not my will but thine. He shed no tears for his own grief, but wept drops of blood for mine. How wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvellous, how wonderful is my Saviour's love for me. He will be cut off, it said, but not for himself. How true. But in actual fact, although that is correct, the actual interpretation is different. A generally more acceptable translation is, the Messiah shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And shall have nothing. He had come to his own people. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to offer them forgiveness, and a ruler, and a prince, but they cut him off. They could have had all that millennium glory that will be his in his millennium when he reigns. But they cut him off. In this sense he had nothing. No people. No glory which which was his due. The people cut themselves off from their Messiah. And this sad picture brings us to the end of the 69th week of the 70 weeks. Or, put another way, 483 years of the term of the prophecy of 490 years had been completed when the Messiah was cut off. One week or seven years still remains. What about those seven years? We believe that they have yet to be fulfilled. We will look at those later. But just let me break into our subject here for a moment to introduce something that will make our understanding of prophecy hopefully more understandable. There are occasions of prophecy in scripture where there are events stated without a definite rationale of a distinction between them as to time. Someone has said that it's like looking at a mountain range and seeing the mountain peaks going off into the distance in one view without seeing the valleys between them. Now let me explain. If we look at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61, and this gives us a a picture of what I'm trying to say. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to build up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of vengeance of our God. 
to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion the beauty should be given unto them instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, and so on. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, let's go over to Luke chapter 4. Jesus went into the synagogue in Nazareth at the start of his ministry. And the book was given to him to read. Mark chapter 4. And here's what he read. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The same passage as is stated in Isaiah chapter 61. To preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now in the original passage in Isaiah where Jesus broke off, the prophecy ended with just a comma. Go back to chapter 61 and you'll see it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord comma however he didn't go on he stopped there and he said this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears he didn't go on to the day of vengeance of our God that has not yet taken place. That is why Jesus stopped there. The acceptable year of the Lord has gone on for the last 2,000 years. But that day of vengeance has yet to come. That is why our Lord stopped where he did. At a comma. And there are other instances of this, but this one is probably sufficient to give us the idea that because the prophecy goes right through in the Old Testament it doesn't necessarily mean that it runs through consecutively in relation to time it didn't in this case the day of vengeance of our God has not yet taken place it won't take place until Jesus comes and reigns on this earth during his millennium reign as we have been pointing out in, the, in this series in the last few weeks. And this is what Paul means when he wrote to Timothy and said show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed 
rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to be very careful as we study God's word that we divide it in the way that God has shown us in his word. And so, in this prophecy, in Daniel chapter 9, we come to verse 26. After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, colon. And this is where I believe that the 69th week ends and whatever comes after that is part of the 70th week and that yet has to come about and take place and we learn a little bit more about that as we study next week verses 26 the rest of it going on to the end of the chapter